is a drug-induced genocide currently underway. And then we take a look at the story of a young man who's having trouble with a muscular ghost, which in and of itself is bizarre. But when this ghost stops haunting his house and begins haunting him wherever he goes, this young man realizes he has no idea what he's up against. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a good day. Hope you guys are having a good day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. Huge snowstorms incoming for us up here in the Pacific Northwest. I hate snow. I despise it. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it at all. I know some people are getting their sleighs ready, building snowmans and all that stuff. Quit encouraging weather. Back in the 80s, I was promised global warming. Where is it? I need this place to get a little warmed up. But someone who doesn't believe in climate change, someone who thinks that it is all rubbish. Actually, I don't know uh, what he thinks. But anyways, running, he might be a climate scientist for all I know. Running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for... Bishy Bashi. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Ha ha! Yeah! He's all kicking over, kicking over recycling bins. He's like, spread the pollution. I don't know why I turned him into a bad guy from Captain Planet. Bishy Bashi made a generous donation during our Thanksgiving live stream, so I really appreciate that, bud. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially through the YouTube ads or the merch store or through the Patreon, which Patreon gets ad free episodes. That's a benefit to that. But if you guys can't support the show financially, I want to let you know, I say this every single episode, it is 100% true. That is okay. That is totally fine. A lot of podcasts out there make you feel bad for not supporting the show financially. That is not something we do here. If you guys can't support the show, though, what you can do is spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Post about it online talk about it that is another way you can really really help us grow and i appreciate every single one of you whether or not you donate money or not i want to make that clear and i think i do every single episode but just in case you do not have to donate money to this show very helpful but you are still a part of the fluffle if you can't bishy bashi i'm gonna go ahead and get this party started by tossing you a steam shovel and a little engineer cap We're going to use our most polluting vehicle ever. This episode has nothing to do with the environment, but I figure I'm on a roll. Let's all climb aboard the Carpenter Caboose. Bishibashi, steam that coal into that engine. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Choo-choo-choo us all the way out to the big city. Bishibashi is piloting this Carpenter Caboose down the railways out to the big city. His first segment's pretty short, because the second story, I need a little more room to let it breathe, but I have a conspiracy theory. I've come up with a conspiracy theory lately. But to talk about it, let's go to the city, and we're going to see a man walking down the street. Let's go ahead and call this guy Jerry. Jerry is a dude who used to have a pretty bad heroin addiction. He's doing heroin for about 17 years. Well, four years ago, he gave it up. He's like, I'm done. 
injecting heroin into my veins. He's saying that at work. They're like, oh, what? What? We were about to promote you. He's like, yeah, I'll still take that promotion. But just letting you know I'm done injecting heroin into my body. I'm clean, everybody. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jerry. What happens, though, is you get out of the drug game for a bit. You'll always remember the lingo. You'll always remember the friends who you made along the way. And unfortunately, those that didn't make it. I had a friend who died of a heroin overdose. It was horrible. He was like 23 years old. It was absolutely terrible. His mom found him. Smart kid. Really, really, really smart guy. Um... He, he goes, oh, oh, so what I was, oh, so you like, we were out of the culture for a bit. You're not keeping up on the daily comings and goings. What happened in that four year gap when he stopped using heroin? Fentanyl came in, so it was a lot harder to actually get heroin. People were buying heroin, but they were really getting half heroin, half fentanyl. It doesn't provide the same euphoria that heroin users describe. But that's not really the big problem. It is a big problem. I mean, it's a listen, it's a big problem. We had 100,000 overdoses in America, opioid overdoses, in 2022. I think that's like more people than we lost during Vietnam. That's bad enough. But now, we talked about this before on the show, they're talking about it in the mainstream media now. We have this new drug called Trank. It's a horse tranquilizer. Xylazine is the actual name. Well, what happens is we are finding all this stuff out now. Back in the early 2000s, this started off in Puerto Rico. People started adding this xylazine to opioids in Puerto Rico. It was covered in a 2012 episode of a television show called Drugs, Inc., which I think is a Vice show, maybe Spike TV. Drugs, Inc., season three, episode eight, had an episode. It was called Zombie Island. It was about the Puerto Rican trank problem. This happened back in 2012. Puerto Rico is an American territory. It's only been since 2022 that we started seeing Trank start to slowly show up in mid... It was like Chicago, Minneapolis. Like, it was just a few cities at first. And then in 2023, it started to spread through the region. And nowadays, it's worldwide. If you're buying, quote-unquote, heroin, there is a chance you're getting xylazine put in it. And it's killing people. It's killing people not only because you're overdosing on it, but it more horribly, more horribly rots you from the inside out. When you inject it in your arm, it will cause cellular death at various points of your body. If you were injecting a drug in your arm and you saw open sores at the injection site, you would know what was causing it. People are injecting it into their arm. They're getting open sores on their legs. They're getting instant diabetes. There are people who have just used Trank for a couple months and now they have diabetes. Their feet are cold. Their bones are cold. If you snort it, it's been compared to feeling like you got hit in the head with an axe. Like, not the first time, because then you wouldn't do it a second time, but it'll rot away your nose. You'll start sneezing up bloody chunks. Not not like bloody mucus <laughs> as you're sitting there getting ready to eat a bowl of tomato soup. You're like, ah, dang it. Not bloody mucus. Actually, muscle tissue will come out of your nose, out of your head. Because it's rotting away on the inside. Well, Jerry 
was unaware of this Trank issue. He had been clean for four years, but in February of 2023, he falls off the wagon. He starts using heroin again. As far as he knows, it's heroin. And he started noticing a, some weird things. First off, it's not the same high, but you could figure, well, maybe I just got a bad batch or whatever. This is fentanyl. I'm not used to it. That's one thing. He started to notice his skin felt like rubber. His skin was, like, malleable. He's all pressing it against the newspaper. He's like, look, kids, the comic strips. Because he actually, in, in that four years when he was clean, he got his life back together. A job, a family. He was moving forward in life, but now he's using again. And he's like, what the hell is this stuff that I'm injecting into my body? This does not give me the same high that heroin used to. Not only that, he goes, I can't work on this. I can't do anything. This isn't like a heroin addiction that I can hide from my family for years. I'm zoning out like I'm a zombie. Jerry doesn't know about it, Trank. He doesn't know what's going on. His skin's like rubber. He starts getting these sores on him. These open sores. And he doesn't know why he's getting these all of a sudden. They're not appearing at the injection site. They would scab over, but the sore would still be festering. So what he would do is he would peel the scab off. <laughs> You're all eating a bowl of Frosted Flakes. You're like, dang it, Jason. I was laughing at the people who were eating tomato soup as you're eating a bowl of Frosted Flakes. He would pull the scab up and go, they're great. And throw it into a box. That's where he works at the Kellogg factory. He would peel the scabs back, pour hydrogen peroxide in the open wound, and then put the scab back on. Probably a little, little, little super glue on there. A little smiley face band-aid. But he smells the smell of rot on him. In him. He said that it finally dawned on him what was going on. He went to a gas station. There was a guy there who had all these open wounds on him. All these sores. And they were the same types of sores that Jerry had. And they started a conversation, right? They're blister buddies. They're, hey man, look what you, I got the same things. What? Giving each other a high five, a bunch of pus shoots out of their hands, all their blisters pop. He starts talking to this guy. He starts talking to this guy. He recognizes they have the same blisters. And the other dude goes, oh yeah, you know why we have these? Because we're shooting up all that trank. Jerry's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, trank, it's that new drug. They're putting it in the, you can't even get real heroin anymore. It's all been polluted by this horse tranquilizer. And that's when Jerry first found out about this. I mean, he knew, he, here's the thing. He knew something was different, but now he knows the scope of it. It's not just some weird reaction he was having. Thousands upon thousands of people are going through this right now, and it's only getting worse. He goes, there would be times where I would inject it into me, and I could actually see a lump moving through my veins. Like pressing against the skin, just... I mean, like, that's just disgusting. <laughs> Jason, that's the gross part? That's the gross part? Not the Frosted Flake scab joke? He also said, I thought this was a weird thing. He goes, there are times, he goes, you know, because he used to do steroids. He was injecting that. Never had a problem. Never had a problem shooting up heroin. He said, there's times when I get that needle ready and I go to stick it in my vein. And he goes, my veins collapse. 
Not like they collapse because of the advanced cellular death, which is possible. He goes, it's almost like as the needle's getting closer to my arm, the veins move deeper in. It's as if my body is trying to protect itself. My body knows what's in that needle and knows what's coming. He goes, my veins actually go down. So it's harder for me to get the needle right in and pump this poison, this literal poison into my body. Terrifying story. People are getting massive nervous system damage. They're rotting from the inside out. This guy's been doing this for four months. He took four years off of heroin. He's been using Trank for four months when he posted this online. He said, I've done more damage to my body in four months than I did in 17 years of heroin abuse. Now, we've talked about Trank before on this show, so this wasn't just like a gross overview or a reminder. I actually have a bit of a conspiracy theory about this, and I'll keep it short because I want to get to the next story. And I did a version of this that was 50 minutes long, so I'm going to keep this really short. My conspiracy theory, let's throw on our conspiracy theory caps for this. What we saw was you had heroin have fentanyl introduced into it, and it was a cost-saving measure. It was cheaper. It was not as regulated. It's more regulated now. China's not shipping it over by the boatload. But what we started to see was fentanyl started to get into the cocaine. Fentanyl started to get into the molly or the MDMA pills. We even started to see fentanyl get into the marijuana supply. Fentanyl started to end up in the weed as well because it would be more potent. Right, you'd smoke it and it would hit totally different, and you'd get addicted to it. You'd get addicted to that particular dealer's weed. Just a tiny amount. Just a tiny amount. Hopefully not enough to kill you, but enough to get you addicted to that dealer's weed. If you buy pills on the street, if you went to go buy, you know, 30 Vicodin from your local dealer, chances are those aren't actually from grandma's medicine cabinet. That's how it used to be. Now all of these pills, or most of these pills, are pressed pills with garbage filler and a little bit of fentanyl in it, so you still get the high and you still get addicted. Fentanyl started off in heroin and moved to these other drugs. My prediction is this. Trank is in heroin right now. I was reading a DEA report on it. I'll put it in the show notes. They're also discovering it in cocaine and other drugs, other illicit drugs. So molly pressed pills, there'll be a little bit of trank in there. It's not as much as we're seeing in the heroin supply, but it's just the beginning of this. You're going to see more trank in coke. You're going to see more trank in these other drugs. My prediction is this. Following the order where we saw fentanyl in all these other drugs and then in marijuana, we will start to see trank in marijuana. We will start to see dealers putting xylazine in their weed because it would follow the same path you would people would get addicted to that particular brand of marijuana this is my conspiracy theory i think that's actually going to happen this is my conspiracy theory this is an actual planned wipeout of the drug using population of america my theory is that so much of these off the book clandestine projects run by the CIA or other government groups that we don't even know about. They were funded by drugs. We know about the Iran-Contra scandal. We know about the CIA 
smuggling cocaine out of South America into the inner cities of America to take the money back and fund secret wars in South America and Central America. CIA and these other groups have been using drugs to gain money to run these illicit programs. But because drugs like marijuana is becoming much more legal and much more accepted, and we probably will see more states make it legal, they don't have a reason to keep up one, the drug shipping business, and two, the drug selling business, because their profits are going down. So these off-the-book government agencies have created a problem over the past 30 years, 40 years, of drug users in America, and I think now is the time they are cleaning house. Because their profits are lower, the problem is worse. If they were still making money hand over fist, there we wouldn't be seeing this problem. But I think they're going to completely poison the drug supply. I think that's what's going on right now. I mean, because this is poison. It's killing people. And I think this might be, you know, if you're running a black book operation and you have a warehouse that you're running it out of, when the operation's over, you don't just go, well, we'll just sublet the place. We'll just let some other businesses come in. I'm sure it'll be fine. No. You cover the building in gasoline and you burn it to the ground and say, wow, that was an accident. It was some sort of weird accident that covered everything in gasoline and lit the match. You don't leave anything standing. And I think that could be what's going on right now. I think this trank being introduced in the drug supply is doing two things. One, it's going to kill a bunch of people in the most horrific way possible. You're going to kill off a ton of drug users and you're going to scare a bunch of people away. Literally scare them straight. I think they're burning down the house. I really think that this is a... I'm not saying it's 100% the CIA, but it very well could be them or another off-the-book agency that is trying to clean house. They go, we have a bunch of drug users. They're not. They're useless to us. They're useless to us. We're not making as much money. Let's clean house. Let's kill 500,000 Americans over the course of the next five years. It, our hands are clean. They will never be tracked back to us. It, people will read in the news and go, well, that's what they get for being a dirty drug addict. That's my conspiracy theory. I think it will infiltrate the weed biosphere and then people will have to make a decision whether or not they'll continue smoking weed or rot from the inside out in the next 6 to 12 months. It's not a long process. We'll see. Whether or not it's a conspiracy theory, people are suffering right now from this uh, introduction of Trank into the system. So it could be just human greed that's throwing this filler in, or it could be something even more sinister than that. It went on a little bit longer than I expected it to, but um, I think we still have time for Bishibashi to take the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind the inner city. Fly us all the way out to a house near a forest. We're headed all the way out to this house near the forest. The year is 2023. It just happened a few months ago. We're about to meet a young man. He didn't give his real name. We're going to call him Thomas. He's 23 years old. Thomas said that he recently had to move back in with his father. And it's kind of a unique living arrangement. It actually sounds kind of cool, honestly. His dad owns a warehouse 
And inside the warehouse is a house. So I don't know if it's like, if it has like a little chimney, it's like all smoke inhalation. Like, ugh. I don't know if it's like a co- I don't think it's a cottage built inside of an actual warehouse. That would be dope. Or if it's just a warehouse that has like walls built in it and with just like walls, like it would look like a house inside. I don't know. But anyways, I just would like to live in a warehouse. Thomas says the living situation was we lived in a house inside a warehouse. So I think it's just kind of like living spaces kind of sectioned off in this bigger structure. He goes, I lived there with my dad, his girlfriend, her son, and their three dogs. And he he said the way that it was set up was we had this house built in this warehouse. The warehouse itself was huge. And we had like, it was sectioned off in different ways. And some of the rooms in the warehouse just gave off this really creepy energy. Something's not right. Nothing I can put my finger on is just not right. It, It gives off this real creepy vibe. And because this warehouse is so huge, and I know this might sound ridiculous, But Thomas says, this warehouse is so huge that there's this long corridor. And it appears to go on forever. You just can't see the end of it. It's just shrouded in darkness. As an adult, right, we know that's impossible. We know there's not a corridor that goes on forever. But you still, it's just creepy. Like, you. You're looking at it and you go, there should be light down there. Something should be down there. But, you know, you walk the course of this corridor from time to time. You don't fall into the void. It just gives Thomas a creepy feeling, creepy vibe. And the backyard for this warehouse is a forest. Thomas moves in with... His dad and dad's girlfriend and all them. And everything's totally fine. I mean, other than those things, right? Other than the endless hallway of infinite madness, everything's good. Then eventually he ended up moving to a bigger room. And that is when everything went sideways. One night, Thomas wakes up. Thomas wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees a huge man standing Inside his room, right next to the door. This intruder was six and a half feet tall and built like a bodybuilder. Pale white skin, long, dark hair, and he was smiling at Thomas. Just staring and smiling. Thomas realizes that this is not a real person. I mean, he probably took a real dump in his pants, but he realizes this isn't a real person. Nightmare, maybe? That'd probably be your first guess, seeing something like this. I must have just had a nightmare. You're not instantly going to go to ghost or entity. Over time, and Thomas describes himself, he goes, listen, I'm not a superstitious person at all. 
But I started to notice this weird pattern over time. He said normally this would start around 2.56 a.m. Interesting time. Right? I've heard a lot about 3 a.m. being the witch's hour. This is a little bit of a go-getter starting things off early. He goes, I'd hear weird noises. Uh, the dogs would be barking at nothing. They'd go absolutely nuts and they'd be barking at just a corner in the room or whatever. From time to time, I would look out and I would see things moving in the forest. Sometimes when I'm walking down that long corridor or even just by it, I get the feeling something's watching me. And once I swear I saw something move down there. I'm not a superstitious person. I don't really believe in any of this ghost stuff. I'm sure all of this stuff can be explained. Stuff moving in the forest? Yeah, there's stuff alive in the forest. Motion sensor lights turning on outside of the warehouse late at night. There's stuff moving around late at night. He's really just not thinking that any of this stuff is real. But it's starting to pile up. It's really starting to freak him out. And then one night when he's awake, again, this stuff is mostly happening at 2.56 a.m. in the morning, he wakes up and he looks out his window, which does look out into the backyard, which is how he's seen stuff moving in the forest late at night. He goes, I wake up and I saw standing outside the house, like right outside the house, looking in my bedroom window, was the tall, pale man. Again, not lanky. We get a lot of descriptions of these lanky spirits. This one is built like a bodybuilder, a muscular man, which is 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 intimidating as a just a physical human. But this seems to be some sort of entity. He ends up finding out from his father that the previous owner of the warehouse had killed himself. He actually shot himself out in the forest. Starting to put little pieces together, right? Is this his ghost? Why is he beefing with Thomas? Like, Thomas had no problems seeing none of this stuff until he moved into this new room, this bigger room. And now he's seeing this giant ghost. Six and a half foot tall, buff ghost. Thomas is dating this girl. Let's go ahead and call her Charlie. They're dating each other for a bit, and he invites her over to his place. Hey, you ever uh, do it in a house inside of a warehouse? She's like, what? No, nobody ever has. He's like, well, I'm sure my dad and his girlfriend have, but I don't want to think about that. Why don't you come over, and we'll kick it at the old Casa de Warehouse? So she does. He invites her over. Thomas goes, Charlie did believe in ghosts. Charlie did believe in ghosts. She actually said that she grew up in a house that was haunted by a woman who had killed herself. And she wasn't afraid of ghosts. She wasn't afraid of no ghosts. Charlie ends up spending the night that night. And Thomas is woken up because she is grabbing him. She's violently grabbing onto him, terrified. She's sobbing. Wakes Thomas up. He's like, dude, what? is going on. Oh my God. Are you okay? Are you okay? Charlie's like, yeah, oh my God. Oh my God. And she's like freaking out. And he's like, what happened? 
And Charlie goes, I had a nightmare. I had a horrible nightmare. What was it about? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to talk about it. Finally, though, Thomas does get Charlie to say what the dream was about. She goes, I dreamt that we were in this bedroom. We were both lying awake in your bed. She says, I was dreaming we were both in this bed. We were both lying awake. And at the end of the bed was this huge man. He was huge. He was tall. He was, he was ripped. He was so buff. And he was pale. Tommy, he was just, his skin was pale white. He had this long black hair. It's so creepy. And he's standing there, and he's mad. He's so angry. And I turn to you in the dream. I turn to you, and I ask, who is that? And you look at me, and you just say, that is the moon man. And this moon man that you called him, he starts walking towards me. He's walking towards my side of the bed. And I ask him, who are you? What do you want? He looked down at me and he unhinged his jaw. And his mouth grew wider and wider. And then he started to swallow me whole. I felt myself sliding down his throat. And then I woke up. She refused to go back to sleep that night, obviously. She's like, I'm not going back to sleep. We're going to stay up all night long. And she kept saying, I think something's watching us. I think something's watching us. Thomas had other friends come over during this whole time period, but no one else had seen anything like she had. But he now did have a name for it. The Moon Man. Whatever that means. But he now did have a name for this entity. The Moon Man. Whatever that means, right? The Moon Man. Thomas had a job on a boat. And the way it worked, it was 14 days on the boat, 14 days off. He said the way that the the boat job worked is that, yeah, you would be on it for 14 days, so you would have cabins. You would stay in a cabin on the boat. You'd be there for basically half a month. There was 12 cabins for the crew only. I don't know if this was like a fishing vessel or like a carnival cruise line. Probably more along the... Well, it's funny because they have these cabins and he specifically says there's for they're for crew only. So it makes me think they do have some passengers, visitors on the boat or whatever, however it works. He didn't want to go into too much detail, which is fair. He goes, we sleep in cabins. There's 12 cabins for the crew. We each have our own cabin. We do these 14 days, 14 days off. Well, it's time for him to go to work. It's time for him to start his shift. And he gets there, and he ends up running to a colleague of his, who we'll call Blake. 
50-year-old co-worker, crewmate on this boat. And they live on that same corridor of cabins. Their cabins are in the same area. And when he's getting on the boat, Blake's like, dude, Tommy, bro, you will not believe. I have the craziest, creepiest story for you. <laughs> Thomas is probably like, man, it's going to be high bar, bro. Blake's like, dude, you won't believe it. It's so creepy. He said, the other night, like literally a day before your shift started, it was late at night and I was walking down this corridor. And in front of your cabin, I saw this dude. I mean, this guy was huge. He was just standing in front of your cabin, man. It was the creepiest thing. I, it's like a ghost or something, dude. He was just standing there in front of your cabin and staring at the door. Just staring. And I... I didn't say nothing, man. I, like, I, I knew something was wrong. Like, something was off with this dude. And I don't even know if he was, like, a real guy or nothing. I just, like, went back to my cabin. And I couldn't sleep. It couldn't sleep. I just, no one that was out there. Now, if you had been in your cabin, I might have done some kung fu, right? I might have saved you. But since you weren't in the cabin, I didn't think you would mind that there was some weirdo standing outside, right? But it's creepy, like... The fact that I couldn't even sleep knowing that dude was out there makes, like, I don't know what that was. That is spooky. And Thomas goes, well, what did he look like? Blake goes, man, it was crazy. Dude was big. This dude was huge. Pale skin and long black hair. Looks like some crazy punk rocker guy. Just staring. And Thomas goes, that is pretty crazy. I'm going to tell you something even crazier, Blake. I've been having these issues back at home. I've seen him in my room, staring in the bedroom window. That's the moon man. Thomas said, after he explained about the moon man and all the weird stuff happened in his house, he goes, Blake never talked to me again. Didn't want anything to do with me. Thomas wasn't even there on the boat. This was the day before he showed up. The moon man was there. That November 19th, 2023, Thomas said, I'm sitting at home. I'm looking out the window. I see a huge, pale... Naked, first time he's appearing without clothes, a huge, pale, naked man standing in the forest, just staring at me. At this point, he tell I think the naked thing probably threw him for, he's like, okay, now it's getting a little too creepy. He ended up telling his dad about this and his dad's girlfriend. And his dad's girlfriend, she's very spiritual, very woo-woo. And she said, I always felt there was something wrong in this house. And then she said that she had been seeing and hearing things from time to time. Sometimes that happens, right? Everyone just thinks they're kind of going crazy or they're embarrassed to talk about ghosts. And then when they open up, other people in the house will say, oh, well, I thought it was just me. That happens a lot, actually. November 20th, just to throw a little spice on this burrito. November 20th, 2023. 
Thomas's dad and his girlfriend are pulling up to the warehouse and they are looking in and as they are, they can see into their house and they see there's someone standing in their house. But it's not the moon man. When Thomas was asking for details, what he looked like, he wasn't a buff, tall, muscular, white guy with black stringy hair. He was just another entity. And at this point, the girlfriend's son begins to hear the sound of someone crying in the workshop area of the warehouse. The sound of someone sobbing and he refuses to go into that area anymore. I think that might have been where their like washer and dryer stuff was as well. But So now everyone's kind of experiencing it on some level. Thomas ends this post. He posted it online underneath the name Mux Allen. He basically says he doesn't know what to think about any of this. Not particularly spiritual or superstitious, but for the first time in his life, he's afraid to go outside at night. He goes, honestly, I'm afraid to leave my room. I've never, ever experienced anything like this before. I don't know how to explain it. None of this makes sense. I feel like every moment of the day, something is watching me. And... I have a really bad feeling that something terrible is going to happen soon. I can't shake that feeling. Something bad is about to happen. After he posted this, he edited the post and he said, uh, right when he posted this online, he heard a loud noise come from somewhere within the house. He goes, it's the middle of the night, and it sounded like if a large man got up out of a chair. It's a creepy story. It's a story that we come across from time to time. You know, we're all, whether or not you believe, if you're listening to this podcast, we're all lovers of the paranormal, but a lot of times the paranormal interferes in the lives of people who don't believe in it at all. And I think it's ten times more terrifying in that circumstance. Uh, listen, a blood-soaked bride standing in your bathtub is going to give anyone a minor heart attack. But a paranormal researcher, I think, is going to come at it from a different... Because obviously we go, okay, so listen, this is a phenomenon that I can identify and I can work towards getting rid of in, in some sort of way. You know, they say the first thing when you have an addiction is admitting you have an addiction... I think you could say the same thing. If your house is haunted, the first step is admitting that it's haunted. I think people who don't believe in the paranormal spend a lot of time trying to rationalize every single thing when it's really just <laughs> really just a buff, muscular, naked dude standing outside your house. I think it's more terrifying if you if you never knew what a dog was and then you're 38 and the first time you hear a dog barking... It's coming from inside your closet. Think about how terrifying that would be. It would be the scariest thing in the world. So I think we have that type of story. Somebody who doesn't believe in any of this. I also think, you know, it, this, this moon man, if that is his name, it's really creepy. First off, that's a pretty creepy name. I got to give him credit for that. 
it's one of those things that because Thomas doesn't believe in ghosts, the spirit would have a harder time communicating with him. He could have appeared in Thomas's dreams and Thomas just not remember the dreams. Like most of us don't remember dreams, but his girl who was hanging out, she did remember. She does believe in ghosts. She does remember the dreams. She gets this entity's name. He saw the entity as smiling in a creepy fashion. She sees this entity as angry. Blake, that, that was another interesting part of it too, is that you have a guy in a totally different location. Thomas's work experienced the ghost. And even in it would have been creepy still if the, if Thomas was on the boat and then the next night you see the moon man, right? Thomas is sleeping in his bunk and Blake goes, dude, it's totally weird. Last night I was coming to my cabin and outside your cabin, there was this buff guy. I didn't recognize him. He was, and you were sleeping. You were dead asleep in your cabin. And you would get, oh, so the moon man's just following him wherever he goes. No, it's creepier than that. The moon man was where he was when he wasn't there. It's creepier that the ghost showed up when he wasn't there. Because it's funny to think about a lot of things I think we don't assume when it comes to the world of supernatural. And this one would be planning. I think we figure a lot of the paranormal, as far as it comes to ghosts, I mean, aliens, they have to have some sort of day planner. They're doing a lot of stuff. But as far as ghosts go, I don't think we, we ever really calculate in this sort of, like, he had to know. He had to know where the guy's work was. That is unusual in and of itself. But if the ghost showed up while Thomas was there, you would just figure the ghost was attached to him. And that would be, we've seen stories like that. They're not super common, but we would go, the ghost must be attached to Thomas. No, the ghost actually showed up at Thomas's place of work before Thomas got there. He was waiting for him. It's almost like he got the day wrong. It shows a level of planning, even though the planning probably wasn't, it could have been better planned. But it's a level of planning we don't usually give to supernatural entities. Now, this was the only post that Thomas ever made. He hasn't posted before or since. Could mean that he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Could mean the moon man got him. Could mean it's all made up. We just don't know with most of these stories, but... This story has just so many interesting hallmarks in it. Learning the name from the dream, it haunting his workplace when he's not there. Different people interacting with it in different ways. The other ghost showing up in the house. You have to wonder, is that a different ghost or is that the moon man appearing in a different form. Probably not because Blake and the girlfriend. What did I name her? Um, Charlie both saw the the normal form of the moon man. Is it the man who killed himself? Did this creature have a hand in the previous owner killing himself? Did he drive him so insane? That the previous owner that was the only way out? Because it's one thing, you know, Thomas says I'm too scared to leave my room. But it's already been in your room. It knows where you work. 
there is no running from this thing. The only thing you can do is try to get rid of it. Consult a spiritual advisor. Try to get it pushed out. This may be a ghost. It may be the ghost of the former owner. It could be something way older. Way darker. This could not be so much a ghost, but a ancient force of evil. This may be beyond telling it to go into the light. Helping it move on to the other side. This may be a true malignant presence in this area. And it seems to only be growing in power now that other people are starting to sense its presence. It's a terrifying story and a terrifying reminder that the world of the paranormal does not solely exist for those of us who find it fascinating. If you don't like Rubik's Cubes, don't buy one. You can completely have a Rubik's Cube-free life, and I think that goes for 99% of the things out there. If you don't like cross-country sports, well, don't play them, don't watch them. you don't like opera, don't listen to it. But if you don't like the world of the paranormal, that doesn't matter. It's there. It exists. Whether or not you like it, whether or not you believe in it, whether or not you think it's completely foolish and only idiots would think that a ghost could appear in your bedroom. A ghost at best? Who knows what this thing is? But whether or not you believe in it is irrelevant. It's still dangerous. And I think the less you believe in it, when you encounter it, or if you encounter it, because it's not extremely common, but the more you disbelieve, if you encounter it, the more dangerous it becomes. Thomas ends his post, after all of these experiences, ends his post by saying, I don't know what to do or what to think anymore. Even now. With multiple witnesses over the course of months, he still does not know if the Moon Man is real. But that doesn't matter to the Moon Man. Whether you believe in him or not, Thomas, if you're not careful, he's going to swallow you whole. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. 